I think it says a lot about Matt that even with this condition, he has had a ministry in worship ministry for decades that he has, in spite of that, served and found his calling to God. There's a, a comedian named Emily Heller who said in one of her stand-up bits that if she could change one thing about her body, it would be her brain. Because she said her brain is like this late-night DJ who doesn't take requests. And so it's like, coming up next, we have a full hour of Mambo Number 5, followed by an imaginary conversation with someone you love, and then your greatest mistakes from the 90s, 2000, and today. And then she'll be like, it never works, but I'll call up and be like, hey, long-time listener, was wondering, could we just have a few minutes of silence? I'm sorry, we don't have that, but we do have one full hour of I Want to Dance with Someone by Whitney Houston without the lyrics. And I like that because it's a funny way of saying something I think a lot of us feel, maybe all of us feel, which is like sometimes our thoughts seem like they're just uncontrollable. But every good counselor will tell you, you can change your thinking. You can parent your thinking. You don't have to stay in the ruts that you're in. And scripture has been saying this for 2,000 years. Here's the way St. Paul says it. In 2 Corinthians, he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we can think about what we're thinking about. And honestly, as a society, we're not thinking that well. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety. And I, I don't want to brag, but I'm kind of an expert on this. I'm pretty high strung. I have had years of my life where I've been on anti-anxiety medicine. But I've also experienced some deliverance from the Lord in this. And I've seen God deliver so many people from this. We're going to have a testimony uh, later on from my own family that has deli been delivered from this. Um, but this is the thing that we struggle with the most as a church. In our self-reporting over the last month, 70% of those who self-reported said this was the thing that they dealt with. And so we're going to talk about it. But first off, what is it? What is anxiety? Because it's not inherently bad. God made your body and your body is good. And part of the way God made your body is with a, a brain that when it's functioning well, it has, it's connected to your nervous system. Your nervous system, um, it, it's a good thing. When you feel anxiety, like if you're walking in the woods and you see a snake, you want to think, I should run away. If your brain thinks, I should pet that, <laughs> then your brain is problematic, right? No, I, 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 when you see something dangerous that you need to run or respond to, your brain triggers a physical response. So here's the way your brain works. You have this uh, little almond-shaped sized part of your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala, uh, so you got the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. When the amygdala sees danger, it triggers and every other part of your brain shuts off, right? So you're not, you know, kind of trapped with like, what should I do with the snake? That's what anxiety is supposed to do. The prefrontal cortex is where your kind of logic and thinking through reasonably sits. 
I, I, the way I like to think about it is, how many of y'all watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Okay, you'll get this. Then the amygdala is kind of like Carlton. And the prefrontal cortex is like Uncle Phil. So you're, you know, in bed at night, you're asleep, and all of a sudden you hear a noise in the house. Your, your Carlton is like, it's a murderer in the house. Grab the baseball bat. We got to kill it. And Uncle Phil kind of clears his throat and says, it's not a murderer. It's just the, the cat. By the way, if you're going to face a, base, a, a murderer with a baseball bat, it's not going to do anything. And the amygdala is like, no, it's a murderer. Jump out the window. And the Uncle Phil is like, come on, it's just the cat. And what about the kids? And Carlton's like, they can fight for themselves. So that's how your brain works. Did I mention, by the way, I'm not a licensed therapist. <laughs> so this is the best I can do, all right? But I'm trying to help you understand this is what's happening in your brain all the time. So healthy anxiety is good. The problem is, and this is happening to a lot of people, what is acute anxiety responding to a threat actually um, doesn't turn off when the threat is gone. And it becomes chronic anxiety. That is something that a ton of us are dealing with. In fact, it's one of the major, the, the most reported thing on college campuses right now are college students struggling with chronic anxiety and depression. And those two things kind of go hand in hand together. It's just which one is leading the, uh, the pack at the moment. So as a society, we spend $300 billion a year on stress-related medical bills. In recent years, we have doubled what we spend on anti-anxiety medicine between one and $2.1 billion. And let me say something about medicine. You will never find condemnation here for taking medicine for those kind of things. There are some cases when it's like genetic or chronic where you have to deal with this. There's no reason to feel guilty for that. In fact, just this week, I got an email from a sister at this church who wrote, I'm so glad you're tackling this heavy subject on Sunday mornings. I have chronic anxiety and take medication for it. I have for years. When I finally had the nerve to talk to my doctor, Gil Foster, about it, he looked me square in the eyes, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, you can be a Christian and take this medicine. I needed to hear that. Others had told me that if I relied more on God, I wouldn't have anxiety. That being said, I'm thankful for a minister who knows mental health is a problem in our fellowship and isn't afraid to tackle it and see that it can be treated in multiple ways. And I will read your email, too, if you write something encouraging about me in it. <laughs> but, no, I mean, this is, this is something that a lot of us deal with. Think of it this way. Some of us have had the painful walk of having cancer diagnosis. And cancer also often brings with it a lot of pain. And it is not wrong to take medication to deal with that pain, but dealing with the pain is not dealing with the cancer, right? So the use of medicine does not mean a lack of faith in God. In the New Testament, back thousands of years ago, there were doctors. One of the doctors wrote one of the Gospels, the stories of Jesus. And no one in the New Testament condemns people for going to the doctor or medicine or any of those things. What is called out in the Bible is not looking to God as well in the face of those things. Like there's this powerful story in the Old Testament about a king named Asa who looked only to his physicians and never to the help of God. So 
that's, well, that's what we want to talk about next because it's not just dealing with the symptoms. It's also dealing with the heart of the problem. So consider this. Anxiety or chronic anxiety is a bit, like sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes that's, uh, that's your body, it, part of the brokenness of the world. But a lot of times acute anxiety turns into chronic anxiety. And you need to consider chronic anxiety like that. Consider it like this. It's like a red light on your dashboard flashing, letting you know something is going on in your body or maybe in your life. And since we don't have children's church today, um, we decided to talk about this one because statistics are saying that the average American child these days exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. Because the world is accelerating. And with all these different factors, we as a society are very, very anxious. So how do people filled with the Holy Spirit live differently? What does it mean that you are a baptized believer in Jesus? So there's a solid theory that says part of the reason that we experience so much um, anxiety is because we're not dealing with past emotional stuff that we've gone through. And we're going to talk about that for the rest of this sermon. So in Alaska, there are two different seasons. There's winter and July. And what happens is that, thank you, what happens is that after the snow melts, in a lot of places in Alaska, that snow creates really muddy conditions on the road. And so, in fact, in one place in Alaska, there is a sign that says, choose your rut carefully. You're going to be driving in it for the next 60 miles. So let's talk about how your brain actually works. Your brain is not a machine, but I find this a helpful metaphor. There are something like 1 million bytes of data coming in at you every second. Right now, in this room, your brain is capable of picking up on all the stuff that's happening in this room, except your brain can only filter 50 bytes of that data, which means there's all kinds of stimuli, there's all kinds of stuff that happening, but you cannot pay attention to all of it. So you choose what you're going to pay attention to. You filter the world through a certain way, and the way you filter it is going to make some things more visible and more valuable. And so what happens is when you decide to pay attention to certain stuff, you are crea you're creating a thought that you're in charge of. You have control over that. You're deciding to pay attention to that. But when you pay attention to that, it sets off uh, another thing that happens, a neurochemical change in your mind, and your brain literally redesigns itself around that thought. Our bodies really are fearfully and wonderfully made. And over time, you create what is called neural pathways, where that thought, I'm going to pay attention to this, I'm not going to pay attention to that, that thought becomes easier and habitual, and then it becomes hard to not pay attention to that stuff. This is known as the recticle, the RAS, the, the R recticle, recticular activating system. We'll just call it RAS, okay? But anyway, it, it, it's like a neural pathway that teaches you how to think about stuff. It's your brain's way of keeping you alive, averting danger, pursuing pleasure, all those different kind of things. And 
Your RASs ultimately are the pathway of your life. What you pay attention to is ultimately going to be the kind of person that you become, the habits that you create, and the character you develop, the legacy you leave. The RAS, um, think about it this way. Let's say that your mental pathway, your neural pathway, is that you're a victim. You've never had any long-lasting relationships. You've never been able to keep a steady job. And maybe that's true about your life. But it's certainly not the only thing that's true about your life. And if that is your neural pathway, then here's what happens. Your brain is trained to look for evidence that supports that belief and filter out evidence that doesn't. Have you ever noticed both a hummingbird and a buzzard are birds? They both fly around, but one eats dead things and the other eats sugar water. Because you find what you're looking for in life. You condition your brain to filter what you already believe. You create a victim rut. And you travel down that path. This is why, by the way, thinking new thoughts is hard. Because do you remember when you first learned how to ride a bike? Remember how awkward that was? But now it's, it's super easy, right? Remember when you first started driving? Remember how awkward it was? You probably had a parent yelling at you like, you're going to kill us all. But now, now when you drive, 45 minutes will go by. And you didn't even notice what was happening. What was that? Well, that was your RAS doing its job. And it's why thinking new thoughts at first is a little awkward, just like sitting down at a musical instrument to learn it for the first time can be awkward. But you can parent your thinking. You can challenge your ruts. If you find yourself with chronic anxiety, you may be able to change some of those brain ruts you don't want. And the good news is you can by paying attention to what you pay attention to, by thinking about what you think about. One of the harder things for most modern Western people to realize, even people who are believers, because you have been secularized. We, for the most part, don't acknowledge the presence of evil in the world. That it's not just that we have a personal problem. We have an enemy. Here's the way one of the first disciples of Jesus said it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter, when he's telling us about exactly what we're talking about today, Peter says, cast all of your anxiety, as in relocate your anxiety to Jesus. Give them to him because he cares for you. And then in the same breath, he says, be self-controlled and alert because the, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, we have an enemy out to destroy us. Peter writes about this in the same breath he writes about our anxiety. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you'll see someone who's really down and you might ask, what's eating you? We, we realized there was some anxiety going on, but what we might not have realized we were admitting is that it was the devil doing the dining now, Jesus actually talks about this. Jesus, when he's talking about the best possible kind of life, the kind of life he wants to give us, the kind of life full of joy and peace, he actually, before he talks about that, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then, this is not a period, this is a semicolon. Thank God it's a semicolon. He says, but I have come that you may have life and have life 
to the full. One of the ways the enemy steals our joy is through chronic anxiety. What opportunities has it stolen from you? What relationships has it taken away? Jesus is saying there is a kind of life that you can have that's to the full. He addresses this often. He talks about this because he knows what it's like to be human. He says in Luke 21, be careful as in take care or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Jesus knows life is heavy. This is not some spirituality that is divorced from the realities of our weekdays. And Jesus is calling us to be intentional and relocate those anxieties to him. So there's a theologian I really like named Dallas Willard. Who, Dallas lost his mother when he was a young boy. And so throughout his life, he paid attention to other kids who lost their parents. And he tells a story of this young boy who also lost his mother when he was very, very young. And he struggled to sleep at night, so much so that he had to sleep in his dad's room on his dad's floor. And when the lights were turned out after the first few nights of doing this, he still couldn't sleep. And so he said, Dad, I can't see you, but is your face turned towards me? And his dad would reposition and say, yes, my face is turned towards you. And this became a habit every night when they were going to bed. Dad, is your face turned towards me? It became the last things they said to each other at the end of the day. His mom was still gone. There were still unresolved matters in his life. But he could find peace to rest. I, that story is so touching to me because do you know one of the major metaphors in the Bible for God and his people is that his face is turned towards you. That God is actively attending to what's going on in your life. He knows what tomorrow brings and nothing can separate us from his love. So let's give our anxieties to him. Okay, for the next few minutes, we're going to be really practical. How do you do this? Here's one way to do it. Get yourself a box. It doesn't have to be a fancy box like this one. It can be an Amazon box. Write God on that box. And then take the stuff that you're anxious about, the stuff that you're worried about, and write it. Get some sheets of paper and write, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about my health and, and put it in the box. Or I'm worried I might lose my job and put it in the box. Or I'm worried about my marriage or my relationship and put it in the box. I'm worried about my mother's cancer and put it in the box. And then say, I know, God, I'm trusting you with this. This is not a thought I want to think about. I'm giving this to you. And once you put it in the box, go on with your life. And then... If you decide, and, and at first this will be hard because we've got to retrain our brain. If you decide you want to go back and worry about that, then take it out of the box and say, God, I'm no longer trusting you with this. I'm going to go ahead and take it back from you. Now that's probably uncomfortable for you. But that's kind of what we do when we get into those ruts over and over again. It is time for all of our what-ifs to be surrendered to the great I am. 
because he wants to take them. You don't have to live like this. In fact, I know he doesn't want you to have to live like this. Just a couple of weeks ago, when we did prayers of the people, one brother or sister wrote on their prayers of the people that uh, this is what they wrote. A few weeks ago during the prayers of the people, so the month before, my prayer was read aloud about my stress and anxiety. I was going through a rough stretch where it was as bad as it had ever been. Over last week, it seems to have completely gone away almost completely gone away. I am so thankful for the prayers and the power that God has to heal. I think the word for that in the New Testament is miracle. And your shepherds care so much about this. They, they've asked me to do this series and they also want you to know about this. They have been praying for a long time. You're going to hear about this in just a little bit. They've been praying for a long time for people in our church for all kinds of different health things or life situations. And they want to pray this month with us. So Wednesday nights from 530 to 630, our shepherds are going to be available to pray with you if you're dealing with anxiety. They will pray with you individually. They'll anoint you with oil they want to bless you and help you not have to carry this alone. They want us to help us parent our thinking, maybe change some of those ruts. And they want to invite the Holy Spirit to help us do that as well. So how do we develop a new brain rut? Brother Lynn, he is a licensed counselor. He can probably say recticular the right way. No, okay. Oh, that's a horrible way to introduce you. Um, but he... He's a licensed counselor, and he's also a minister on staff, and I've asked him to come up and give us a couple of tools for if we're working through this, if we're dealing with anxiety. So let me try to help you visualize anxiety in a way that might help you change some of the ruts. So we all believe that God gave us human will when we were created in his likeness, and we believe that out of human will, we have the ability to choose. And when we think about choice, there are three basic areas of the human experience where we get to exercise choice in those three domains. And they're thinking, feeling, and doing. Think, feel, do. And each one of those is an area where we get, have the ability to exercise choice. Um, because for most of us, when we're healthy, we think about something, and based on that thought, we have a feeling and based off of that feeling, we do something that resolves the thinking and the feeling. The doing resolves the thinking and the feeling, and we move on about our day. When you have anxiety, the doing that you do is to think about the same thing again. So that you create a closed loop by thinking about the same thing over and over and over and so one of your jobs to manage anxiety is to get out of the closed loop so that you do something to resolve the thinking and the feeling. And so here's a little simple tool. I want you to watch me do this, and then you're going to do it with me. Stop, switch. Stop, switch. Now put up your hand. Say stop, switch. Stop, switch. Stop, switch. And so the question becomes, in order to get out of the rust, what do you switch to? And I would lovingly say, it sort of doesn't matter, as long as it's different, as long as it resolves the thinking and the feeling. Think about scripture. 
Think about a pleasant memory. Think about someone that you dearly love, but stop and switch. Thank you, Brother Lynn. We thank Brother Lynn for this. So on a Kindle, the most highlighted book on Kindle uh, of all time is the Bible. And the most highlighted passage in the entire Bible is this. It's Philippians 4. It's written by the Apostle Paul from jail. And Paul addresses this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Did I mention he's in jail? Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in King Jesus. The Lord is near. You're attending those 50 bites of reality. This is the step one. You're not alone. You've never been alone. And his presence mediates our consideration of our problems. If I could sum up all of this in just one sentence, it would be uh, this. And if you are a note taker in your Bible, write this down. The way not to be anxious about anything is to be prayerful in everything. He says every situation with prayer and petition. This is very specific. This is your father-in-law's health to your cold or job. The things that you're anxious about, give them to the Lord for he cares for us. That word prayer in Greek, and we miss it because we just think prayer is like using words and talking to God. It's a lot more than that. It's also the word for worship, confession, adoration. It means meditating on God's presence and promise. And then petition is the word of like what we think of when we think of prayer, like talking to God about what we're dealing with in life. And then thanksgiving. Did you know it is almost impossible to be anxious and grateful at the same time? In fact, another tool for us, and 70% of our church says that we're dealing with this, get a journal and write down at the end of your day, What's going on in your life? What's going on in your day? And I promise you this. Over the course of a few months, you will be able to look back and see that some of the things that you were very anxious about weren't that bad, actually. That God's faithfulness was always there with you. And then Paul says, and the peace of God, not peace from God, but God's peace, he will give to us and it will guard our hearts and our minds. And then Paul says, finally, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, think whatever is lovely, think about these things. In other words, don't underestimate the impact of the input. If you struggle with anxiety, maybe you should stop watching scary movies for a few months. Maybe you should stop watching cable news. Maybe you should get off that social media network because you're trying to create a new brain rut. You're paying attention to what you're paying attention to. So this is all pretty abstract. I wanted to bring up Leslie and Joel because y'all know two years ago, 18 months ago, Leslie on a Thursday morning had seizures. She has a a complication, a a health thing that a lot of people in this, or several people in this church have dealt with, but hers led to her being in a coma or coma-like for hours. In fact, we were at Baptist emergency room and she couldn't talk and she had gone down the 
ice, the snow had happened the day before and she had gone sledding and she had bruises all over her. And so Baptist sent in the special nurse to ask and she can't talk. So it's like, I really love my husband. You know, I'm trying to do, but let me tell you what happened. This church really blessed our family. Y'all helped casseroles, all those things. But like y'all have gone through a lot of stuff, one of the things that we don't talk about afterwards is what that does to your heart and your mind. And I wanted Leslie to tell you, because I've seen her practice her way out of that brain rut over the last 18 months. So what he didn't mention was when I was in the hospital, I, we got a call that Joel was on the way to the hospital as well because he had to go get stitches in his lip. He had fallen on the trampoline. It was a bad day. It was a bad day. Um, and then that special nurse was like... <laughs> um, I was in the emergency. I couldn't... <laughs> it was funny. But um, I just wanted to share today that there's power in the name of Jesus. So when you don't know what to do and you feel... Uh, overwhelmed or like you can't breathe or you wake up with just the night sweats uh, and panic attack form or anxiety, you have the power on your lips of just calling out Jesus. His name is so powerful. And um, for me, I didn't know even what anxiety was. I mean, you know the basic, but mine was really bad. So I actually uh, came forward for prayers. Miss Glenda Thomas was prayed for me. And then at the end of it, she was like, honey, that's called anxiety. And I was like, oh, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. Um, and so that gave a name to it because before that I didn't have a name. I just knew things are not right. Um, it was really, really bad. Um, the Northern or the Worthers found me at an Arby's down the road with my feet up on the thing. And they were like, we'll take care of your children. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to pass out because like I can't breathe and I don't know what to do. Um, but in that I sought out counseling and, uh, during that time, my dad got uh, diagnosed with cancer and they said he only had a few days to live and I physically could not go to the hospital. Um, when I went to the hospital to get there was really hard. And then when I'd get there, I would just spend the whole time in the restroom or pacing the hallway cause I couldn't breathe. And so, um, the counselor helped me with that. She did a special thing with headphones and beeping. Anyways, it was really weird, but it helped me be able to physically be there, not as much as I wanted to be, but I could actually be there to um, be near my dad. And so also during that time, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to start taking prayer walks. Um, I did, I started a, a prayer chain with all my mentors and prayer warriors. I mean, I, I told Jonathan, the reason why is because when you have anxiety to that level, you are desperate. It is all pride gets put aside. You just need to like survive the day, which is also the enemy, right? Mine was definitely a spiritual attack. Um, but when you have anxiety to that much, you can't serve other people. You can't think about other people. You can't give like you're just trying to survive. And so, um, I asked all my prayer warriors, one, one of my sweet friends, um, told me about an app called the one minute pause app. Uh, it's by John Eldridge. He built it during COVID because anxiety was through the roof. And it's just so a one minute pause. It's really 10 minutes, but it's a one minute pause app and it's in the morning at night. And even my children love the app. Like Hannah, a lot of times at night will be like, can you put on that app? Because it's just so peaceful. And, um, we started a prayer walk where we just walk our land and proclaim the name of Jesus. And, um, 
just even doing that, the first thing we say is we give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. And Joel is my biggest, I don't ask any of the kids, like, you have to do this. But he'll be like, no, mom, it's too early. And then two seconds later, he's right there with me. So he was going to share a little bit about it. Can you tell him about the prayer walk? Um, every time we go in the prayer walk, we uh, pray for our livestock and our family. You want to tell him about Miss Kathy? Um, I have a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does she do? What does she help you talk about? She helps me understand my body. Because I can't control it sometimes when I get mad. So we have a lot of emotions. Mine was debilitating. So I also, um, if you have never experienced it from the moment I woke up, I was attacked. Uh, my mental was when the scriptures talk about your mind uh, and your body is a temple. So I can't stress enough to uh, work out, walk if you have to do, whatever you can do physically, drink lots and lots of water. Um, I would go to bed early because I was like, I have to make sure to get my rest to be the best I can be. Um, but during that time, I had to cling to Jesus. I felt like physically to survive the day, so much so that I was like, okay, God, I love you so much, but, like, I have to feed my children, you know, and, like, do other things, and yet I can't function without just being right there with you. So um, I went and got prayers, and one of the uh, breakthroughs for me was when she was just sharing, I told her there's just so much weight of suffering and chaos in our world and hurt of all the people around us, and she said, don't you know, Leslie, all you have to do is love Jesus and worship God. That's all he's asked of you. And for me, it felt like a thousand pound boulder was lifted off my shoulders um, because I thought I have a lot of love to give and I can love Jesus and I can worship him. And that's all he asks of you because in doing that, then you follow the scripture and all the commands and all the other things follow. But really, he just wants your love. He wants your worship. And so um, I got freedom. But the same time I told Jonathan, cause he was like, yeah, we're past that. And I was like, okay, no, not past it, but not on the extreme can't function. Um, it's something that I have to deal with every day. Can we thank them for <laughs> I know a lot of us have gone through tough things and it's hard to talk about this sometimes in church and yet the resources of the spirit are here and i got to watch a front seat to my family not being able to function to being able to function leslie went to the shepherds and got they anointed her with oil and prayed over her and she habitually practiced her way back into being able to um live non-anxiously so we're going to practice this we're going to practice what paul says in philippians now in your pew there is these emblems bread and cup but before we do that you can grab that and you can hold the bread before we do that i want to invite you to bow your heads and meditate on these words in your life so let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and I'm going to walk you through this passage. The Lord is near. 
do not be anxious about anything. Take a moment. What are you anxious about? What's preoccupying you these days? By prayer, take a moment and say what you believe is true about God to God. Who you're coming to with this. King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator, the sovereign over all. He sees more about the situation ahead than we do. He knows more than we do. And then by petition, tell him what's going on. I'm going to give you a few seconds to say specifically something that you're bringing to him. And then with thanksgiving, thank you for this life, God. Thank you for the bodies that we have, for the relationships that you've given us, for the hope that we have in you. And now with thanksgiving, that's the word that actually the early Christians used for communion. Eucharist. Because you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You solved problems we didn't even know we had. You have solved our biggest problems. We can trust you with the rest. And so now, Lord Jesus, as we receive this bread that is your body and this cup that is your blood... We receive it with all kinds of gratitude because of the gift of your life, a life that is full of peace and joy and hope. And as we take this bread and this cup, we receive those gifts from you into our soul, our heart, and our mind as well. In Jesus' name we pray, please bless this bread and cup. Amen. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Paul actually writes in another passage in the New Testament, in Ephesians 2. But now in King Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And maybe that's where someone needs to begin today. If you struggle with anxiety and you're not a follower of Jesus... Can you come to Him? Can you give that to Him?